Take your Bibles this morning. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, this passage might look familiar to you because it's the same passage we read last week. Ephesians chapter 4. Last week we read all from verses 25 down through 32. We'll just concentrate on one verse today, the one I want to talk about, which is verse number 32. Ephesians 4.32, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I want to speak to you this morning on that same verse. We talked about it last week, and we talked about the concept of being kind. And I've heard a lot of people talking about that this past week, and I have to tell you that I have never had more more of a troublesome week being kind than I have this week. I've wanted to punch everybody I saw this week. And I don't say that braggingly. I mean, this devil has been working on me all week. I think my wife has taken the brunt of it. It's just, it's been, it's been difficult. And so I... I take that actually as confirmation. I think sometimes when the devil fights us, we just simply know that, uh, you know, he doesn't like what we said. And so today I want to talk about the other half of the verse, though. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I want to talk about that last part, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And amazingly, this morning in Brother Mark's class, when I was attending, they got off on a, a... a big, long discussion about forgiveness, and so uh, another fortuitous thing. Just like the word kindness, the word forgiveness is another one of those big little words that uh, we need more of. We need more forgiveness. I, as I thought about this this week, and as I thought about that word, uh, some questions came to my mind. What is forgiveness? What does it mean to forgive? What do we know about God? And forgiveness. Does the Bible tell us anything about God and forgiveness? What are the limits of God's forgiveness? Are there any? Are there any limits on it? And what are the limits of our forgiveness toward others? Last week we said it's absolutely never okay to be unkind. Christians can, should, and must always be kind. What about forgiveness? Is it ever okay to not forgive? Do we ever have an excuse? Do we ever have a reason to not forgive? Is there anything that is unforgivable? Well, let's dig into Scripture, and let's see if we can answer some of those questions this morning. First of all, what is forgiveness? What does it mean to forgive? And we could look at a definition from the Old Testament, the New Testament. We could even pull out Webster's, and we'll pretty much find that they all say the same thing. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew words translated as forgiveness mean things like this. They mean send away, cover, remove, wipe. Away, And so to forgive is to send whatever this thing is away, to wipe it away, to cover it over, to remove it. In the New Testament, the, 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 he, the Greek words that are used in the New Testament are very, very similar. Most of the time, the word that is translated as forgiveness means just that. It means to send forth or to send away. There is another Greek word that is translated forgiveness uh, sometimes, and that means to deal graciously with. So again, whatever this thing is, we send it away, we send it forth, we deal graciously with this person. The English word forgive, according to Webster's, means to give up resentment of, to grant relief from payment of, to cease to feel resentment against. 
And as I think about those definitions, whether I'm looking at the Old Testament, the New Testament, or even the English word itself, I, I notice something. I notice that uh, forgiveness as described by those definitions has nothing to do with merit. Did you notice that? It's not based on merit. It's not based on some intrinsic value or worth in the forgiven. I am not forgiven because I deserved it. That might shock you, but I'm not. And what also might shock you is you are not forgiven because you are worth it or because you deserve it. Uh, it's, it's just not the case. Forgiveness is freely given. Forgiveness is an, is an act of grace, the grace of God. And notice also that in all those definitions, forgiveness is not a feeling. It is an act of the will. It is something we decide to do or God has decided to do. So think about all those definitions in light of our text, the, the verse that I read right at the beginning, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Forgiving one another. I'm to forgive you. You're to forgive me. And we're to forgive each other as believers. When you do wrong, I'm to send that away. I'm to send it forth. I'm to wipe it away. I'm to cease feeling resentment. Because of it, I'm to grant relief from the payment of it. And I'm not to do it because I feel like doing it. I'm to do it not as a feeling or an emotion, but as a sheer act of will, as a sheer act of grace. How about another one of those questions? That's the definition, but how about this question? What do we know about God and forgiveness? Does the Bible tell us anything about him and his forgiveness? It does. We know, for example, that he forgave the children of Israel time and time and time and time again. Psalm 78, 38, but he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and did not destroy them. Yes, many a time he turned his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. We know that he forgave David. Wasn't that long ago we talked about David and his sin with Bathsheba and his murder of Uriah? Uh, he forgave David. And after that, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to, said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. There it is. He put it away. You shall not die. And David recognized the greatness of this forgiveness and sang about it. Perhaps more than one time, but certainly, uh, at least in Psalm 32, one of his great psalms of confession, he said, I acknowledged my sin to you. My iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. We know that just as the definition implied a minute ago, we know that his forgiveness is not for our sake. It's not based on our merit, but it's for his own sake. It's an act of pure grace. And when God forgives, he forgets. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. The Apostle John said the same thing. He repeated the thought in his first epistle. He said, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you. Why? Because you deserve it? No, for his name's sake. We know that forgiveness is one of God's attributes. It's one of his characteristics. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. It's who God is. He is a forgiving God. In the New Testament, Jesus, who was God made flesh, demonstrated this aspect of God's character, this forgiving nature of God uh, in his dealing with others. Jesus forgave. He forgave the sins of the paralytic, whom four men lowered down through the roof uh, for his healing. Mark chapter 2 and verse number 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic son, your sins are forgiven you. 
He forgave the sins of the notoriously sinful woman who crashed a dinner party where he was eating and anointed his feet and wiped his feet with her tears. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. He forgave the sins of the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery in John chapter 8. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And by the way, even though that's not, it's not a topic I'm going to develop in this sermon, there's something else in that that's very important to see. Forgiveness is not license. Jesus did not say there, I forgive you, go ahead and keep on sinning. He said, I forgive you, don't do it anymore. It's not license. He forgave the woman who had been caught in the very act of adultery. The Apostle Paul wrote that God's forgiveness was all-encompassing. He forgives all our sins. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13, You being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He has made alive together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses. All trespasses. Say that with me. All trespasses. Who wants to tell me what all means? All means all, and that's all all means. All trespasses. John wrote that he forgives all who confess. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1. And so now as we think about these truths, about what the Bible says of God and his forgiveness, let's go back and apply those to our verse that we're talking about today. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I can't help but reflect. Am I forgiving that way? As God in Christ forgave me. God's forgiveness is continual. It's never ending is mine. Is yours? His forgiveness extends to every kind of sin. Big ones, little ones, public ones, private ones, every kind. Is my forgiveness that all-encompassing? God's forgiveness is not based on any merit in the one forgiven, but rather based on who and what he is. Forgiving defines him. Would anybody say that about me? Would anybody say that about you? That forgiveness actually defines me? God's forgiveness is extended to all who seek it. It is mine. Yours. Do I forgive anyone who wrongs me? Do I forgive all? Who wrong me? Do you? God's forgiveness is never ending. It is all encompassing. It is an act of grace. It is available to all who seek it. Praise the Lord. But there's another question. There's another question that I, I noticed as I studied this, and I'm sure it's probably on many of your minds right now. Why, if these things are true, does the Bible seem to speak of limits to God's forgiveness? Some of them were tossed out in the Sunday school class this morning. Think, for example, of the Lord's Prayer. I don't like that title, the Lord's Prayer. I think it should be called the Disciples' Prayer because, in reality, it was Jesus teaching the disciples how to pray. But most people know it as the Lord's Prayer. It's given in Matthew chapter 6 and in Luke chapter 11. Both of them are similar. Matthew's version adds a couple of things. At the end of the prayer, Matthew adds, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Luke doesn't have that particular line in his version. But Matthew has something else. Matthew added the next two verses. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. Jesus said, For if you forgive men their trespasses, 
your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Hmm. Interesting. So we have to ask ourselves, does that mean, was Jesus saying that if we don't forgive others, God will not forgive us? I mean, it sure, it sure reads that way, doesn't it? It reads like that's what he was saying. It certainly sounds like there's a limit on his forgiveness of us. The same thought appears in his parable of the unforgiving servant. You can read about that in Matthew chapter 18. I won't read it all. Uh, Matthew 18, 23 through 35. Uh, the parable was about a servant who was forgiven a tremendous debt, and then he went out and was unforgiving toward one of his fellow servants. And the parable ends with this. His master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you, Jesus said, if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Two more times Jesus seems to have made this connection between our forgiveness, our personal forgiveness, and our forgiving of others. Mark chapter eleven twenty five. whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Also in Luke chapter 6 and verse 37, judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. So what are we supposed to make of all this? Are there limits on God's forgiveness? Well, first of all, I think we need to be absolutely clear about one thing, and that is this. A Christian's sins, past, present, and future, were all forgiven once and for all by what Christ did on the cross. We'd have to toss out half our Bibles if that were not true. We'd have to toss out such wonderful verses as Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 17, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. We'd have to throw that away. We'd have to toss out Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. We'd have to toss out Isaiah 38. You have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. So now we have to be clear about something. Very clear. When a person is saved, they are saved forever. No stumble can erase that. No falling into sin can cause you to fall away from God and be lost. Once you are saved, You are always saved forever. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. So in that sense, we're talking about that aspect of forgiveness. Yes, your sins are forgiven, Christian, forever and forever and forever. Billy Graham said it well. He said, God's forgiveness is not just a casual statement. It is the complete blotting out of all dirt and degradation of our past, our present, and our future. But there is another aspect that we have to think about, isn't there? We also need to be clear with this fact. We didn't stop sinning when we got saved, right? Every Christian has two natures. The old nature And the new, the old man, and the new man, the carnal nature, and the spiritual nature. Paul said, I I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. This conflict, I mean, from the moment you trust Christ until the day you see him in glory, 
you're going to experience conflict between these two natures if you're saved. And from the moment you trust Christ until the day you see him in heaven, you're going to continue to struggle with sin. You're probably going to continue to sin. Hopefully that's less and less. Hopefully as we grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that becomes less and less. But it will be a struggle uh, against sin in our life until we get to heaven. One preacher put it like this. He said, a lot of things happened to you when you got saved, but nothing happened to your body. And it's true. The sensual struggles, the addictions, the besetting sins that were present before you got saved are almost certainly still present after you trusted Christ. You're still going to be tempted by them. You're still going to be wrestling with them until the day the Lord takes them away when you get to glory. So on the one hand, we are forgiven forever by Christ's shed blood on our behalf on Calvary. But on the other hand, we need continual forgiveness of our daily sins to stay in right relationship with him, to stay in fellowship with him, and to enjoy our salvation, to have the joy of our salvation. One of the commentators I consult often said it like this. He said, we need to get one great principle straight. When a sinful human being becomes a Christian, he does not cease to be a sinner any more than he ceases to be a human being. Oh, he has a new nature planted within him by God. The new nature does not sin. The new nature will constantly lead him along the paths of holiness if he will yield to it. But the Christian also has a sinful fallen nature that he will never eradicate in this life. This old nature will get him into trouble again and again. And every time it breaks out, he will find that it also breaks the fullness of his fellowship with God. And so what is the Christian to do in these circumstances? The Bible teaches he is to return to the Lord again and again to confess his sin and to ask for forgiveness and cleansing. If he neglects to do this, he will lose all the joy of salvation. If he asks for forgiveness, he will enter increasingly into the joy of a deepening fellowship with God. Jesus illustrated this very concept in the upper room when he washed the disciples' feet. You remember he washed the disciples' feet. He took a bowl, he went around, and he washed all their feet. And he got to Peter, and Peter was appalled. What? You, the king of kings and lord of lords, are going to stoop to wash my feet? And Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Wash me all over then. And Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. The Christian is clean. The Christian is washed clean by the blood of Jesus. But the Christian gets dirty feet by walking about in this daily dusty world. And so they need daily, maybe even hourly, maybe continually to seek the cleansing of the dirt that accumulates. We need our feet washed. We need to seek forgiveness of our daily sins. Not so that we will be saved. We are already saved. But we need to seek forgiveness because when we sin, our fellowship with God is broken. And when we sin, uh, the joy of our salvation goes absent. Let me quote Billy Graham again. He said, repent when you fail and immediately seek God's forgiveness and restoration. Sin breaks our fellowship with God. That's why David in his other great penitential psalm, Psalm chapter 51, uh, he, he prayed very, very specifically. He said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. This saved man uh, was seeking forgiveness, not because he was lost and needed to be saved. He, he was saved. He knew he was saved. But rather because his relationship with God was damaged. It was marred. He wanted it restored. His joy was gone. 
and he wanted it back. So all that to say, those three or four places that I read a minute ago where it seems like forgiveness is contingent on our forgiving others, all of those have to do with this second aspect. None of them have to do with salvation. None of them have to do with that aspect of our uh, of forgiveness. So if you think about all those passages again, you can go back and study them on your own. Think about them. All of them are talking about saved people, every one of them. And what they are saying to us is this, if we want to see forgiveness in our lives, if we want the dust from our feet to be washed off, if we want to see complete fellowship with God restored, if we want to have the joy of our salvation uh, restored again, then we need to forgive others. It's really pretty simple, I think. We can't come to God asking for forgiveness of our sins while harboring the sin of unforgiveness. He just points his finger at that sin. He says, we've got to deal with that too. You've got to deal with that. So properly understood, I think these passages that at first glance seem to speak of a limit to God's forgiveness aren't talking about that at all. I think they're actually t- teaching the universality of our forgiveness toward others. They remind us it's inseparable from Christianity. If we are forgiven, we will be forgiving Not because others deserve it from us. Not because we feel like it. Because it's who we are. Christians forgive. Or they suffer the loss of joy as a result. A man named John Oglethorpe was talking to John Wesley one day and he said, I absolutely never forgive. And John Wesley very wisely said to him, then, sir, I hope that you never sin. Well, here's another question then. What then are the limits of our forgiveness of others? Are there limits of us. This was the question that came up this morning in Sunday school. Is it ever right to not forgive? And I think the answer is simple. No. Never. You say, what if they are unrepentant? What if they just simply refuse to repent? Or maybe they do repent, but they go back and do it again, and then they repent, and then they go back and do it again, and then they repent. What about those types of situations? Luke chapter 17, take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day, he returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. That passage would seem to tell us that we need to forgive over and over and over, but it also seems to give us a a way out, doesn't it? It also seems to say that that he has to repent if you're going to forgive him. But that passage is not the only passage. There are other passages, like Mark chapter 11. They don't have that contingency in there. They imply that forgiveness is without exception. Mark eleven twenty five. whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, period. No exception. No exception. So I don't think there is any loophole, any way out. What if I've forgiven them seemingly a thousand times and they just keep right on hurting me? Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I don't say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times times 7, Matthew 18. Jesus was using a huge number there. You know why? Because he was indicating a huge forgiveness. We're not to forgive just once or twice or seven times. We're to forgive over and over and over and over and over forever. There's no limit to that. That was meant to be such a big number that we would never get there. See, I've read the Bible through many times. I don't know how many times, but I've read it through many times in my Christian life now. By the way, this past May 3rd was my 49th birthday as a believer. Hallelujah. And so in those 49 years, I've read it through many times. 
And I'll tell you, I can't find a verse that gives me license to avoid forgiving somebody else. I can't find it. Let's, uh, anything in the Bible, as many times as I've read it through, that says it's okay for me to be unforgiving. In studying for this message, I looked through multiple resources, commentaries, all kinds of things, multiple versions of the Bible. I was looking for any kind of an exception, any loophole, any get-out-of-jail-free card that would let me say, I don't have to forgive you. Couldn't find it. There's no such thing. There is no limit on the forgiveness that we are to show others. Just as there was no limit on the forgiveness shown us by Christ. Remember our verse, our text for today. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. How much did Christ forgive you? How much? What sins in you did he turn away from in disgust and say, Ah, I can forgive some things, but I can't forgive that? None. None. And that's the level of forgiveness we are to show to others. I'm always intrigued by the testimony of Gracia Burnham. Anybody ever heard of Gracia Burnham? Gracia Burnham, she and her husband were serving as missionaries in the Philippines when they were captured and uh, imprisoned by terrorists. Those terrorists tortured them for a year, kept them in prison for a year, and then in the end her husband Martin was killed. Gracia later wrote a book about this called In the Presence of My Enemies. Highly recommended if you haven't read it. But to me, whenever I hear her testimony, and I have heard her at some of the Voice of the Martyrs things, she's one of their featured speakers sometimes, and the most amazing thing about her testimony always is her forgiveness. She forgave those who tortured her. She forgave those who killed her husband. She even went back some time later and looked for them. She wanted to find the very terrorists that had imprisoned her, the very ones that had been associated with the death of her husband. And she found some of them. She found some of them in prison. She found some of them, and she even led some of them to Christ. Amazing. Astonishing. Billy Graham said, and I know I've got several Billy Graham quotes in here today, but Billy Graham said, forgiveness is one of the most beautiful words in the human vocabulary. How much pain and unhappy consequences could be avoided if we all learned the meaning of this word? And Albert Einstein, don't quote from him very often. Albert Einstein said, weak people revenge, strong people. Al was right. So two questions must be considered in light of all these things. Number one, are you forgiven? And number two, are you forgiving? Are you forgiven? If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you can joyously answer yes to that question. You can say absolutely. Every sin that I have ever committed, past, present, and future, every sin that I I commit now, every sin that I ever will commit, is under the blood of Christ. I am forgiven. Hallelujah. But if you haven't trusted Christ, then you know what? Your sin remains hanging about your neck like Marley's chains in Dickens' The Christmas Carol. You remember that story? And Marley was trying to convince Scrooge of the danger of it. And he said to them, and he said basically to him that every day that you don't do something about this, the chain gets longer and the chain gets heavier. He said, it's a ponderous chain. I always love that line. It's a ponderous chain. But you can be rid of it. 
You can be rid of it today. You can be forgiven today if you but trust Christ today. So I ask you today, if you have not yet been forgiven, will you not step out as we sing in just a minute and kneel here and, and give your sins to Jesus? He will forgive every single one of them forever. Are you forgiven? Christian, are you forgiving? That first question was for someone who's never trusted Christ, but this one's for you. This one's for me. Are you forgiving? Wives, are you forgiving of your husbands? Husbands, are you forgiving of your wives? Kids, are you forgiving of your parents? Parents, are you forgiving of your kids? Are you forgiving? Are you forgiving even of those who wrong you more than once? Maybe even many times. Martin Luther King said, forgiveness is not an occasional act. It is a constant attitude. Is that you? And when you forgive, do you also forget? A man who was telling his friend about an argument he'd had with his wife, he said, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Every time we have an argument, she gets historical. And the friend looked at him and said, I think you meant hysterical. He said, no, I meant historical. Every time we argue, she drags up everything from the past and holds it against me. That's not biblical forgiveness. Not at all. A friend of Clara Barton, you may remember if, if you actually had history in school. I'm not sure they teach it anymore, but if you had history, you might remember. Clara Barton was the founder of the American Red Cross. And uh, somebody, a friend of hers, one time was reminding her of some particular cruelty that had been perpetrated against her. Trying to get a rise out of her, I guess, but Miss Barton said she couldn't remember it. Her friend said, what? You don't remember it? Clara Barton said, no, actually, I distinctly distinctly remember forgetting it. That's biblical forgiveness. Forgive and forget. Not because they deserve it, but simply as an act of the will, as an act of grace, because we have experienced the very same thing in Christ. Is that how you forgive, Christian? And one last thought. Is there somebody that the Holy Spirit is... Their face is floating in front of your, your, your mind's eye right now. The Holy Spirit is putting somebody right there right now that you have not forgiven. Oh, brothers and sisters, some of us may need this morning to kneel here at the front as we sing and confess the sin of unforgiveness and ask God to help us to forgive. I can't forgive, Pastor. I just can't. You don't understand. It's just too much. I can't forgive. That's a sinful thought. It's sinful. And such thoughts are the reason you have no joy in your faith. So I suggest you step out as we sing, that you kneel here, you ask God to help you. Help me to forgive. Forgive my unforgiveness and get your joy back. Well, Father, we're thankful. We're thankful for the truth of your word. We're thankful for this little word, uh, forgiveness. We're thankful, Father, for what we see about its meaning. We're thankful for what we see about uh, how it, it so defines you. Thankful, Lord, that the Bible is so clear about our responsibilities in this matter. And I pray today that if there's anybody here to whom these, th- these thoughts are uh, particularly applicable, I pray that they'd act upon it and not just walk out of this place as they came in. I pray if there are any here who have never yet been forgiven, they've never experienced the joy of, of knowing that Jesus Christ has washed their sins away, I pray this would be the day. 
I pray as we sing, they'd step out. I pray they'd let somebody kneel with them, pray with them, show them from the Bible, answer their questions, do whatever it takes to help them to understand that Jesus Christ died on the cross to save them from this and to forgive them of all their sins. Lord, I pray that all in this place today that are not yet forgiven would be. And I pray for Christians. May we be a forgiving people. Help us, Father, to be a forgiving people. Help me to be forgiving. And I pray today, Father, that if there's anybody who's struggling with a spirit of unforgiveness, somebody who's dealing with a hurt that they just can't seem to get away from, help today to be the day, Lord, that they lay that on the altar. Say, Lord, here it is. Help us to be forgiving. So bless the invitation. We give it to you in Jesus' name.